What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of How They're Here. This week, you'll hear a conversation I had with the co-founder and CEO of Tableau, Taryn Joel. Taryn is actually a classmate of mine here at the Carlson School of Management at the University of Minnesota, and he's also studying entrepreneurial management and marketing. But while we're in many of the same classes together, he's taking a much different path in his collegiate journey than many I know. Aiming to expedite many of the painstakingly slow aspects of dining out, Taryn and his two co-founders started Tableau in early 2018. I'll let Taryn explain the nuts and bolts of the app, but the small team has already partnered with 16 different Minneapolis restaurants, placed as a semi-finalist in the Minnesota Cup, which is a Carlson-sponsored startup competition, and has already begun attracting a base of users. And while Taryn would probably consider himself far from successful, I wanted to talk with him to learn more about the aspect of being a young CEO, balancing school and work, why he's choosing to study entrepreneurship when he's already doing it, how he fits everything into his schedule, and so much more. I love the perspective that Taryn provided in this episode and quite frankly didn't think people like him existed in college. I mean, people who routinely wake up at 6am, meditate daily, work out for over two hours, go to class, and work full-time on their company. And still, with all this going on, I've never heard anyone say a negative thing about the guy. I'm appreciative of the time Taryn spent with me and hope you can all pull a piece of motivation, advice, or guidance from this episode as you hear what it truly takes to move towards the goals that you may also have and gain some valuable insight into how they're here. All right. What is going on? We are back. I am joined now by Taryn Joal. Said it right. And he is the founder, uh, co-founder and CEO of Tableau, which is a app that I'm going to let him explain. I always like to start off, uh, Taryn, with letting whoever the guest is, if they have some sort of, you know, maybe app. I've had people that have different, you know, products or just different startups kind of give me their 30 second to a minute elevator pitch. That way, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, get, the, 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 the audience, rather, sorry, the audience will know what's going on and I'll get a better idea so I don't put words into your mouth. So if I were to give you 30 seconds to a minute, why don't you pitch me on, on Tableau? Yeah. So uh, how many times have you gone to a restaurant and you wait 30 minutes to sit down? And after that, you spend another 10 minutes looking through a menu, another 10, 20 minutes waiting for your food to arrive. So you've essentially been at the restaurant for over an hour, but you haven't even eaten any food. So Tableau is an app that solves that whole problem. Tableau allows diners to reserve a table, order menu items, pay for meals all through their phone. Um, and it's available for the App Store, and it's also available on Google Play. Um, it's been live for a couple months now. Um, we're in 16 restaurants, um, slowly growing, slowly trying to get um, you know as many restaurants as the restaurants that people love on the platform, and slowly you know trying to grow. Yeah, that's awesome. So you were mentioning sort of this uh, you know ease of ease of use for consumer through mm-hmm. the whole restaurant process. I think that's a really unique concept. Admittedly, I don't think it's a super novel concept just from the standpoint that there are all these apps now that are doing mm-hmm. food delivery and you know everything's like the Uber of this and it's just a lot of things going mm-hmm. on in, in the food space. What mm-hmm. made you attack that space? Was there like an experience that you had? Obviously, we all go out to eat, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that you've just had those sort of mundane experiences going out to restaurants, but what was it that really triggered you and really got you as as steve says what was that shock for you yeah um to, to go <laughs> and, and actually start the thing yeah the biggest thing was during the end of my freshman year um i went to this thing called tech stars startup weekend that was in um downtown minneapolis and it's basically it's kind of like this pitch type competition where people kind of build teams around ideas that they kind of gravitate towards um and while i was there i met these two guys and we kind of bonded over this whole idea that there's something really, really, there's something really, really wrong with the restaurant space. And um, so I kind of uh, grew up around the restaurant industry. Two of my uncles, they own restaurants, and they, one of them has been in Minneapolis, one of them was in Madison. Um, so it kind of noticed this major issue that a lot of people are facing. And we ourselves as founders face this problem every single time we would ever try to go out. One time we were at this restaurant, and we ended up waiting – uh, 30 minutes to sit down and then the waiter forgot to bring the check so we had waited another like 25 minutes after that so we were like we could have minimized 55 minutes out of that whole experience if you know we would have been able to sit down right away and we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have had to wait for the check um, and one thing that we kind of learned too was that food is like this weird thing where it's like it brings people together so it's like like it also like it's like what makes up different cultures really too. So if you really want to understand another person's culture, I like to say that, you know, you just eat their food. Um, and so we, we knew we wanted to do something within the restaurant space and within the dining industry. We wanted to kind of see what this major problem was. And we went through a few iterations. We thought about making, uh, a mobile friendly, like web page. We thought about making a chat bot. 
we thought about um and then we finally you know we landed on you know building an app um and we kind of bootstrapped everything ourselves uh, we built it up we built it out ourselves we kind of taught ourselves the skills that we needed to pitch to restaurants um the skills that we needed to kind of build out the technology things like that um and then we ended up releasing um two apps so one is for the restaurant and then one is for the consumer so the restaurant has access to uh, all the information whenever a consumer, you know, places order, everything like that, the restaurant gets notified instantly. Yeah. So what do you think I, this is doing to like the dining experience? So as far as I know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. this will hopefully be a feature or an app that uh, integrates with every restaurant I'd like to go to, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's obviously the end goal. Mm-hmm. What does that then do to like the, the dining experience of like going? Cause I think there is sort of a, an aura around going to a restaurant and, and yeah. sitting down and taking time. And I was actually just on that canoe trip this weekend. One yeah. of, one of the, one of those guys in our class, his name is Reto. He is from uh, totally Switzerland. This weekend, actually. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was this last weekend. His, uh, he, he's from Switzerland and he was commenting on the fact that like in America we eat so quickly, like yeah. we get, we want to get in the restaurant. We want to get out of mm-hmm. the restaurant as quickly as possible. Yeah. And in Europe and Switzerland, when he's from specifically, you know, they take, time to like they mm-hmm. you know they, they'll maybe stay after a meal like a, an yeah. hour or two and yeah. so obviously you're operating in america first but but what do you think that impact is going to be on the dining experience do you yeah. are you are you trying to get people in and out of the restaurant faster obviously mm-hmm. you're trying to make it more convenient for people to use yeah, but yeah, yeah. You're, you're sort of taking a shot at the whole yeah restaurant experience yeah absolutely um we got that feedback a lot so when we were initially iterating top, a lot of people were saying things like, you know, sometimes, you know, when I go to, when I go on a date with my girlfriend, I want to be at the restaurant for, you know, a decent amount of time. So we kind of set it up so that Tavolo isn't necessarily something that makes you go faster through the dining experience, but it lets you have full control over it. So you don't have to wait for the server to bring you a check. You just pay on your phone and leave whenever you're ready to leave. Um, you always have access to the menu. So if you want to add something, while you're at the restaurant, just open up the app and click whatever item you want to add more to. Um, so it's n- the ultimate goal isn't necessarily to um, make everything faster and quicker. It's just to streamline everything. So that's from the consumer's perspective. That's what we try to do is we try to give them full control over every aspect of it. So if you want to spend two hours at a restaurant, you know, you can use Tavolo and spend two hours at a restaurant, you know. Sure. Um, but if you also if you want to be in and out in 45 minutes, Tavolo's really, really good at that, too. You know, we can if you are a corporate employee and you have 45 minute lunch break, you know, and you don't really have time to go to a sit down restaurant, reserve your table, go through the menu process. You know, if you use Tavolo, you can be in and out within 30 minutes and you can have a great dining experience as well. So that's one thing that has been really um that's been really effective in uh, allowing us to get more restaurants is that we bring more traffic in during lunch hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that a lot of restaurants struggle with is that during lunch hours, they experience kind of like a slower period. Um, so Tavlo has been really, really helpful on the restaurant side with that as well. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because now that I think about it more and hearing you explain it, it's almost an antithesis of a lot of what these apps are just you know we have grubhub or uber eats or whatever these delivery apps are when you traditionally think of like people shaking up the the restaurant space yeah it's not bringing people into the restaurant Mm -hmm. and you're you're sort of going at it from okay let's not circumvent the whole restaurant experience let's just make it because dining is more efficient yeah let's just make it let's just make the experience that exists better Mm -hmm. rather than just circumventing it which i could see how that would be appealing to restaurant owners because you're actually getting people in the door you're not just getting people to order out Mm -hmm. i think that's that's really interesting so i want to touch on now and i I read a little bit of a a a bio on you on instagram the other day um just surrounding your like your technical background so you're not as far as i know uh the person who like programmed the app yeah so what was the process like finding people to do that for you? Where yeah. did you look? Who did you reach out to? I, I was I'm really interested in that. Yeah. So um, initially, we kind of struggled to figure out how we were going to develop the app because one of our co-founders, both of, both of my co-founders, they ran a marketing agency prior to, you know, coming on board with Tablo with me. And I ran uh, a protein shake shop in high school. So my background was more in, you know, um, physical products and their background was in marketing. Um, so we kind of had to figure out the skills for ourselves of how we were going to build out the app. Um, and we didn't really want to outsource the, uh, the development of it either. So Sal and I kind of got together and we were like, how can we teach ourselves how to build an app? Um, and Sal already had a lot of technical background. He ran a web agency prior to the marketing company as well. So 
Sal is the CTO and uh, he's kind of behind, he's kind of the brains behind, um, building out all the tech. Um, so the thing was that it wasn't that, um, it was necessarily like super, super difficult for us to figure out how we're going to build it. It was more so like finding the right person to do it. And we just couldn't find the right person with the right passion to do it. So we're like, let's just figure out how we can do it ourselves. And that's one thing that I learned through our like entrepreneurial journey is that, um, you can't really in the, initially when you start off, you know, you can't really rely on other people to have as much passion for your project as you. So you kind of have to rely on each other. Um, and kind of build that bond together. And then eventually, you know, once you guys start to scale, you can kind of teach other people um, how exactly everything works and the infrastructure of the company as well. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that you were able to find people early enough on, your, yeah. your two other co-founders that did have that passion because mm -hmm. a lot of the time entrepreneurship, is, as you probably well know, is, is kind of a lonely journey yeah. in that regard. So even yeah. finding two more people yeah. is pretty impressive to be able yeah. to share that, that passion with. But I, I, yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah. So... You are, however, going through a little bit of education to learn about sort of the, the development background. Yeah. Explain a little bit why you chose to do that, because I'm sort of of the mindset of, OK, know what your strengths are and double down on them and let yeah. somebody else take care of your weaknesses. So I'm curious to see yeah. why you're sort of attacking maybe something that you consider a weakness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, the the part of business that I really kind of excel in is the creative side of everything. So I love marketing. I love design i love ui ux um so that's kind of what i knew what i really wanted to do but from a, from a ceo perspective i thought that i should have i should understand each part of my company and i thought it would be i thought it was essential for me to understand you know development and everything like that i already understood you know the marketing side of everything but i also want to understand the finances the accounting the supply chain um as well as you know the development and everything like that so that's why i ended up choosing to pursue a minor in computer science is because I thought that long in the long run, it would be extremely beneficial for me to, you know, kind of have that type of background and, you know, not necessarily be full on coding everything, but to, yeah. to at least, you know, when I speak to a developer, I know what I'm saying, you know, I'm not just throwing stuff out of the air and just saying like, you know, do this, do this, do that. And they're like, that's not possible. I like, I'll have an understanding of kind of how the development work, even though I don't know, like, um, the specific details of everything, you know, I'll at least have, I'll have the vocabulary, um, to kind of, you know, push the company forward, which is what you need to do as an effective leader. Yeah, Cause exactly. when you're the CEO, you have to, like you were saying, whether it's yeah. finance or, you know, the, the operations part, you have yeah. to be able to understand at the very least how yeah, they all work. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I want to, I think a lot of what you're saying kind of heralds to an, an interesting conversation about your your pursuance of a of a degree in, in yeah. the first place right yeah and i'm sure you get this a lot <laughs> i get it a lot and i've i've been fortunate enough to talk you know we laugh because we're yeah. like it's like what we deal with on a daily basis uh -huh. um so to give people some context Sharon and i are both in the entrepreneurship program here at the university of minnesota yeah. college of school of management and marketing and marketing yeah. so we uh we see each other in a lot of classes on a daily basis and i was finally able to, to wrangle them in for an interview i thought for you know <laughs> i've been I, I i've been aware of um to let you know i've been aware of of tableau for probably about a, a year and a while and I, I, yeah. I knew who you were obviously just seeing you around in, yeah. in school and then once i got to know you i'm like ah, it's a no-brainer we gotta we gotta get him on the podcast so mm. thank you again but uh coming back to my original question which was this whole idea of entrepreneurship and studying entrepreneurship going yeah. to school rather than just being air quotes an, an yeah. entrepreneur and i've been fortunate enough even this season to talk to somebody who um is our age and he uh, has this uh, a digital media agency that focuses on telling stories in sports and he was going to school like i said he's our age and he was going to school and after the his, his freshman year he decided to, to take a break as he calls it but he yeah. dropped out like the renera guys like yeah. barat interviewed him <laughs> as well uh they dropped out right yeah. to, to pursue their their startup yeah and i always think it's interesting uh i get the question all the time why yeah. do you go to school to study entrepreneurship so yeah. i'll first pose a question to you why do you go to school to study entrepreneurship yeah um this kind of goes way back so um so growing up uh i was born and raised in queens new york um and my family's from punjab india and my family prior to my father and mother wasn't super educated so like my grandfather didn't even know how to read um, so my parents always had this huge emphasis on education. So they're like, you need to do really, really well, go to a really great school, get a near perfect GPA, get a really good ACT score, and then just go to university, get your degree. Um, and then eventually, you know, pursue a master's degree, get a PhD or, you know, become a doctor or a lawyer engineer, because to them, that was the path to success. It was, you know, you get your degree and then 
um, you get a great job at some major corporation and you're a successful person, um, which I completely understand. So when I came into college, I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur because growing up, those were the people that I looked up to. Like it wasn't even necessarily, you know, like the quote unquote, like the major entrepreneur. So like, um, you know, I was a really big fan of Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, of course, you know, it's everybody's idols, you know, they're two of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. They pretty much, you know, reinvented the 21st century. Um, but there's also like people that I look up to such as athletes who I viewed as entrepreneurs. So like LeBron, Kobe Bryant, um, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, Bill Jordan brand, a billion dollar company. Um, so I knew going in that I was going to be an entrepreneur and my dad was an entrepreneur as well. So I kind of grew up around that space. My uncles owned restaurants this, so they were entrepreneurs as well. So I kind of had this understanding that this is what I wanted to do. Um, so when I went into college, I wanted to go to university that allowed me to study entrepreneurship. But the biggest thing with entrepreneurship is that you can't learn entrepreneurship just by sitting in a classroom. You need to actively do it yourself if you really want to get a hands-on like learning experience with it. It's not like, it's not like, um, for example, um, like biology. Like if you're starting to become a doctor, like you need to sit in a class. You need to understand every little. You need to understand like all the vocabulary of it. You know, you need to go through the textbook and everything. But entrepreneurship is like. You learn as you go, to be completely honest with you. When I started Tavolo, I was, dude, I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I had my two co-founders, like, you know, we, like, we had experience, um, you know, running startups before, and we had, like, a little bit of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial experience, but, like, we want we want to scale Tavolo to be, you know, like, this massive, massive company, and our previous ventures weren't as large as what we want Tavolo to be, so we, so in terms, you know, bringing back, you know, going back to why I study entrepreneurship, um, I think that there's a lot that you can still learn from, um, you know, being in a classroom and kind of talking to other people who have experienced entrepreneurship, um, or have, um, you know, have, you know, gone through ventures and had startups. And also universities are really, really helpful with students who want to be entrepreneurs. So, um, you know, like Carlson has the Minnesota cup. And if you want to, you know, if you have any questions on entrepreneurship, you can just go to the home center and, you know, they'll obviously help you out. You know, there's some really good people that run that program. Um, and some of my professors have taught me a lot in terms of, you know, how to raise, how to fundraise for a company, you know, things like that. And, um, so when I came into, yeah, so when I came into school, I was like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. Um, I know I'm going to major in entrepreneurship. I'm, I know it's not, the 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 most popular major around Carlson um, because most companies aren't hiring people who want to be yeah, entrepreneurs. No, they're not. Um, so yeah, I mean, I always I always kind of understood. I was like, this is genuinely my passion. I don't want to do anything else uh, because once I got that taste of it in high school, I was like, it was like an addiction. I was like, I'm gonna do this forever. Yeah, I I think that's an, a really interesting perspective, and I I fall on the same side of the fence as you do, and I hear just a lot of. I, I, there's just a lot of content out there now, um, yeah. and it's it's it just really gets amplified through whatever talking head you wanna you wanna point to. Of, yeah, you know, just don't go to don't go to school or you know figure yeah. it out for yourself. And um, I, I think you brought up a lot of really good points. And obviously, your circumstances is a lot different than a lot of other people. Yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. having that. I, I think it's probably something a lot of people can relate to, just from the standpoint of having pressure to go to school and and mm -hmm. having that be just whether it be generation generational or cultural just this idea of what success yeah. is like yeah you have to go to university to have success mm -hmm. um but I, like i said i think you provide a great perspective that okay yes i that is that is true but what also is true is that there's great resources and great yeah. people to find here and yeah. I, I think minnesota specifically offers really good yeah like a really good environment for, for entrepreneurs yeah yeah, Minnesota's become a really big like ecosystem for entrepreneurs. You know, mm -hmm. there's a few accelerator programs here now. Um, there's a lot of startups around. Um, you know, not just you know Minneapolis as a city, but the entire state. You know, so um, I think this is a great place to build a business because if you can build a business in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you can build it anywhere. Yeah, what is what has that been like? So to give like you a little perspective on the podcast, it's called How They're Here, and uh, yeah. a, the initial idea was just how a person is here in their life. But I adopted sort of a, a secondary meaning, which is like how they're here geographically. And obviously that can mean quite literally like you're from Queens yeah. and now you're here in Minneapolis, but yeah. adopting it to a more business sense, like what does, or how does Minneapolis sort of play a role in, in, in Tableau as a, as a business? Like, is there, is there a relationship there? Is there a synergy there? Is it just yeah. circumstantial? This is where you are. Yeah. So, um, answer the first question how why i'm here or how i'm here 
Um, so I was born and raised in Queens, New York. I lived there for eight years. And then eventually my parents moved, my parents moved to um, Fargo, North Dakota. Mm. And then from Fargo, I decided to go to the Carlson School of Management because I thought it was a really great business school, had an entrepreneurship major. I was like, all right, let's do it. Um, so then that's how, that's, that's like why I kind of came here. But in terms of Minneapolis and Tavolo, Minneapolis has been really, really receptive to Tavolo as a company in and of itself. Um, because as you know, there's, there's a there's kind of this growing restaurant industry, especially in downtown Minneapolis. You know, the first restaurant that ever got on Tavolo was a downtown restaurant. Um, the owner really, really liked our concept. He was like, you know, this is an issue that I face almost every single day. He's like, if I go on Yelp right now, I will see tons of reviews, people saying that they hated waiting to sit down at the table. They waited 40 minutes for their food to arrive. And he was like, this is this has been a really big problem at my restaurant. So I really well, he so he once he heard about us, he was like, you know, I need you guys on right now. Um, so the restaurant industry has been really, really receptive to us. Um, but you know, eventually, you know, Tavlo wants to kind of grow and branch out to the major food hotspots around, uh, the United States, you know, Chicago, Atlanta, New York, Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, Minneapolis has been, Minneapolis has, has been a really, really re- rewarding city to kind of start the company, especially. And the, the, ne- the, the network here is pretty, pretty incredible too. People are really kind. And if, if you reach out to anybody with it, uh, if you reach out to anybody um, that you need help from, uh, 99% of the time, they will say yes, and they will try to do whatever they can to kind of push you forward. Yeah, I, I do like the sort of the environment or the feeling of Minneapolis. That it's a, a big city, and it has a lot of big city-type amenities, whether it be yeah. the, the people or the resources. But at the same time, it has a very small-town feel from that perspective. Like yeah, you were yeah, saying, yeah. like you can reach out to anybody, and a lot of the time yeah, they'll absolutely. say yes, and well, that's a Minnesota yeah. nice thing, or whether it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just kind of the how the city is. It, it's really fantastic either yeah. way. So you talked about something earlier, the Minnesota Cup, and this is something that I just have genuine curiosity in because I, I don't know a whole lot about it. So why don't you start by explaining – what it is and then what your process has been like in mm. it so far. Yeah. So the Minnesota cup is, um, it's a startup competition that Carlson actually holds. Um, and then there's a bunch of different divisions and startups, you know, kind of apply. Um, and then they select certain startups to be the semifinalists. And then throughout the summer, you're assigned a mentor or two mentors. Um, and you work with that mentor on building out a business plan, on uh you know designing like a certain designing a video that you have to submit um and you know once they submit it oh and then you have to submit submit a a slide deck um and then once you submit it judges review it and they select the finalists and then once they select the finalists they select the winner um the student division winner this year was park pooler um you know they, they did a great job in the competition um this uh I, I haven't met the CEO, but I'm sure he's a really nice guy. I know he's a senior. Um, but yeah, so I met, I met a bunch of really, really cool people, uh, through the Minnesota cup. One of my, one of my good friends, Jake, he was, he's a CEO of float right now, which is a, the Airbnb of boats. Um, which I think is a really, really cool idea. Um, and he actually offices out of the same WeWork that we office out of in Uptown. Um, and, you know, kind of, you know, building that network has been really, really helpful in terms of Minnesota Cup because you get to meet a lot of really cool people, a lot of people who are doing, like, really cool things as well, uh, you know, running really, really cool companies. And, um, you know, you never know the network that somebody has. So if you meet somebody, they can introduce you to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And next thing you know, you know, you have somebody who's willing to invest in you and kind of fund you as you grow um or you know you eventually find another co-founder or you find your developer that you need that you've been looking for this whole time you know um so i think the biggest thing has just been networking um and the minnesota cup has done a really really good job um with building a really good network within the competition so is it still going on right now the minnesota cup uh it just ended so they're having they're having their award ceremony in october i can't remember the exact date okay it's in like a couple weeks yeah um, but yeah, how far did you guys make it? We were semifinalists. Okay. Awesome. And yeah, what are the yeah. different divisions? There's like the student division, there's high tech, there's education, there's impact ventures. There's a youth division. Um, there's a bunch of them. I think there's like nine. Yeah. Something like that. So it's a, it's a presentation type pitch. So for us, the semifinalist division, the, the presentation was, Oh, the, the student division. So you yeah. were in the student division. Yeah. I was in the student division. Okay, okay. Um, when you're a finalist, you pitch. Semi-finalists don't pitch. You kind of just submit all of your um, like your business plan and your video and your slide deck and everything to the judges, and then they review it. And then once they review it, 
uh, you get selected as a finalist, and then the finalists are the ones who pitch. And okay. then the winner of the division gets $30,000. Wow. You don't even get a chance to stand up there and, and plead yeah. your case, though. That's, that stinks. <laughs> Dude, that it stinks, stinks, man. Yeah, especially for someone like you, I'm sure would yeah. love to get up there and, oh, absolutely, and sort of plead man. their case. Public speaking is like, I know a lot of people fear it, but yeah. I I've just loved it I like, know. my whole life. Oh, me too. I mean, it, I've, I've had to reflect on it. I actually was thinking about it. So yesterday I was producing the back pocket, and yeah. uh, they had this this guy on who was like a formal, he was like a former hockey player, um, and, and he played in Canada for a while, and yeah. he talked about like, doing CrossFit now in his life and how it gives him yeah. sort of that same like fulfillment and same like adrenaline rush yeah. as like playing hockey did. Yeah. And I was never an outstanding athlete. If you can believe it, um, <laughs> that, you know, I was, okay. I wasn't either, man. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was never the, uh, the star of any sport. And I, uh, so I never had that same feeling, but then I, I thought about it after he said that and I'm like, well, I, I still do like, you know, I, I really enjoy like, you know, performing and getting up in front of people and, and, and talking. It's something I did in yeah. high school and it's something I yeah. still try to do now, obviously. Yeah. So I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. I think I, I think I sort of fell in love with public speaking because I did, I did speech debate in student Congress mm -hmm. in high school. And, uh, when, when I was a junior, I qualified for the, the national speech tournament oh, wow. and that was something like I worked really, really hard for. And that's also like in high schools, like I know you and I have talked about this. I kind of fell in love with storytelling. I love the I love like the arc of a character, the arc of a story, kind of understanding the highs and lows of everything. Um, but I love like the come up. The come up is like the best part for me. Um, you know, seeing somebody like the rags to riches type of tales. You know, um, but yeah, I think that's where I kind of fell in love with public speaking. I kind of fell in love with storytelling and kind of being able to vocalize. Um, you know, whatever it is I'm like, I'm feeling or whatever it is like I want to share on like uh, a big stage, you know? Yeah. And, I, and then there's that aspect of it too, where it's like you're in front of people and you get that sort of dopamine or adrenaline yeah, rush absolutely, or whatever it yeah. is. And you're like, you're sort of at the, the, the height of it's, it's <laughs> like, it's like an athletic competition where absolutely, you're sort of like yeah. at the peak of your it's performance. It's a skill. It like, is. It's, it's a skill. A, it's an art form. It's, yeah. it's, it's all of those things. It's, it's, yeah. it's really great. So you guys unfortunately did not make it as a finalist in, yeah. the, in the MN cup, but obviously still really good experience. It sounds like yeah, from the yeah. network and, and, and everything like that. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk a little bit about you like going into these restaurants. So like the part that is always interesting to me is obviously that like the tactical and the, and the day-to-day -day yeah. stuff, the, the non-glamorous, but mm -hmm. you're a, you know, you're a student, you're 20, 21 years old, however old you are, and you're going into these, these restaurants and, and, and sort of pitching yourself. So yeah. the first part of this question is like, how is that going in as a student into these meetings and, and being probably perceived as just a young kid? Yeah. Um, so we initially, kind of struggle to get restaurants because we didn't really understand the full perspective on it. But I think, I think talking to my uncles about like what restaurants look for and exactly, um, you know, what they're looking for in terms of people who try to pitch any type of product or idea to them. Um, and once we kind of understood what they were looking for, we started using that in our pitches when we went to restaurants. So the biggest thing was, um, bringing them value. So, you know, like we said earlier, um, we're driving more customers in to the restaurant because you know, they're on the top of the platform because our users see them on, on the app and they're like, all right, let me try out this restaurant. Um, and during lunch hours, for example, we try to get more corporate, more corporate employees, more, you know, full-time business professionals to kind of come in and sit down at the restaurants, you know, whenever they're kind of experiencing the slower times. We also um, reduce turn time per table so you can um, flip a table a lot faster um, in a given day or a given night. Um, so at the end of the day, it was, it was like a value share. So um, we thought to ourselves, you know, what we put ourselves, we put it, we put ourselves in the shoes of the restaurant owner and we we're like if we were running a restaurant business what would we want from somebody who tried to pitch tablo to us and then once we kind of put ourselves in those shoes we got a better understanding of you know what a restaurant owner is kind of looking for um and then exactly how to sell ourselves as a company and convince a restaurant to just give us a shot did you ever run into a problem where somebody just saw you as like a, a kid and they're like, Oh yeah. All the with time a, with a 20 year old. Yeah. Um, you kind of, you kind of like build some tough skin sometimes, you mm -hmm. know, you kind of, you get to, you get some thick skin. You're like, sometimes the no is just a no. You're just going to be like, all right, let me just go to the next one. Yeah. Uh, and you just kind of, it's like water off your shoulders. Like you just wipe it off and you know, it doesn't really, it doesn't really stick to you, I guess. Um, but once we did it a few times, we were like, all right, we're just going to keep going. There's no, 
there's no real reason to stop. Let's kind of learn from what we did wrong here and then try to improve for the next time we go around. Yeah. I, have you heard the show Silicon Valley? Yeah. I love the, the scene in it. And I think it sounds like it's applicable to, to your life where they, they, they're going around and, and pitching their, their service or their yeah. product. And they talk about how many different ways people have told them no. Like, yeah. even when it sounds like a yes, it's yeah. still a no. So like, what, <laughs> like, what are different ways that like people, because you've definitely run into more failures and successes. Yeah, I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm sure about. It. So like, what are some what are some things that people are like? When do you know it's a hard no, and when do you know it's like a no that you can push back on a little bit? Or yeah, how do you how do you get a feel for that? Usually, it's it's when they ask you questions. If they ask us questions about Tableau, we know they have slight interest in it. So then we can we can kind of you know um, negotiate our negotiate ourselves into the restaurant. Um, but that kind of just put a th- weird thought in my head. One of the weirdest no's I ever heard was, um, it wasn't with a restaurant owner. It was kind of when we were kind of still developing the idea of Tavolo. And you know, I know how you brought up earlier that, um, you know, um, you know, a lot of times when people go to a restaurant, you know, they want to be there for a long time. And, right. I, and while, while we were still kind of developing the product, we didn't have an answer to that one question. Um, so we kind of met with, we went to go meet with this person. I won't say his name. Um, he, uh, and he was he's kind of like this investor type of guy uh we sat we 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 sat down with him um and then my co-founders are are african-american and they're somali right um and then i'm indian of course and um so we sat down he starts just absolutely railing us he's like this is never gonna work this is the dumbest idea i've ever heard all this stuff um and eventually he's like he starts talking about how um investors don't want to invest in minority-owned businesses He's like, it's going to make it a lot harder for you guys to fundraise and things like that. So he looked at us and he was like, this kind of makes me laugh a little bit. Um, but uh, he looked at us. He was like, he looked at my co-founder. He's like, what are you guys, African Somali? And he looked at me. He was like, I don't even know what the hell you are. <laughs> and I was like, like, like looking like it sounds like really bad, but um, I just brushed it off my shoulders. I was like, that might be one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes uh, getting a no can be like one of the best things because especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to get no's no matter what idea you're kind of, um, you know, trying to trying to push forward and trying to build a business around, you know. So yeah. you kind of got to get used to it. Is the camera In those situations. Up? Yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> okay. in, in the, well, it has like a 30 minute or yeah, 30 minute record okay, okay. time. So I had to I just had to re up there. But oh, OK. It is funny that in those situations, at least, all you yeah. can do is kind of laugh. I mean, those probably yeah. aren't the people you want to work with anyway. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I also think it's interesting, I think, to counter his point, I feel like there is sort of a like a, a new surgence of like minority-owned yeah. entrepreneurs yeah. or like mi- minority entrepreneurs being mm-hmm. like kind of pushed to the forefront, which yeah. rightfully so, because when you look at the numbers, they're yeah. historically not getting the funding. Yeah. So. I think statistically, minority-owned founders – end up making VCs more money than non-minority owned. Like I think, I think it's like minority owned founders and women end up making, I think they, I think it might be like they fundraise more. I don't know the exact, I heard something like that. Interesting. um, Which I thought was pretty fascinating, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of really cool minority owned businesses in the twin cities. Like, you know, we talked about Barat and Renera. Mm -hmm. Um, There's one that's called Upsy that's run by um, one of our friends, Clarence. Um, Then there's another one called Civic Eagle run by um, our good friend Demola. So, you know, um, slowly, you know, there's starting to be more minority entrepreneurs in Minneapolis, um, which I think is super cool. Um, and hopefully, you know, the, the trend, you know, continues to grow for sure. No, you'll have to get me in touch with those, with those guys, because it's I, obviously from a pragmatic standpoint, would love to have more yeah. guests and <laughs> I think like, like I need to do a better job. Dude, I got you. Don't worry. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I'll yeah, try you're, my best. you're mentioning a bunch of people. I'm like, <laughs> I'll just go through his Rolodex of, of people. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, it's, it's great to highlight those stories that yeah. you don't see a lot so that people that are listening can hopefully take a, yeah. maybe a bit of inspiration or just solace in knowing that there are, are people out there that that look yeah. like them and think like them that are that are are doing are are doing great things. So yeah. I think that that's really great. So how does it work in your schedule then? That you're running this company and you're also yeah. a full time student and you know this is no yeah. throwaway degree. I mean, it's a, you kind of got to stay up on on school yeah. and you you seem like a guy that wants to maintain a semblance of a social life. So yeah. how do you balance <laughs> all that? 
Hello, sorry to interrupt this great episode I'm doing with Taryn Joe Hall. I, Taryn, again, thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to do some ad reads now. Again, I have to capitalize on this attention that I have because I'm only putting out episodes every other week. But luckily this week, I'm going to try to do the fastest ad reads I've ever done because some of them have been getting rather long, if we're being honest. So I want to first thank our sponsors at Cash App. Do you want a free $5? Do you want to give me a free $5? If you do, click the link in the show notes. You're going to download the app, use my referral code, and that's, I think, going to be automatically applied when you use the link in the, in, in the show notes, and you're going to get a free $5. I'm going to get a free $5. Bam, done. Amazon. I want to thank Amazon. Jeff Bezos, thank you so much. But more than that, if you want to start a podcast, if you like the way this podcast sounds, if you said, oh, wow, I, I really like to start a podcast, uh, you know, I think it'd be good for myself, my personal brand, my business. I think that's great. I think you should do it. You should let me know if you start a podcast. I'd love to have you on. I'd love to I'd love to talk with you, talk about the process, whatever it may be. However, if you want to start a podcast, if you like the way that this one sounds, I, I, I'm all on a budget here. I'm a college student. But that means that you can achieve this kind of sound quality, which I think is pretty good at a college level budget. So what you need to do is go to kit.com forward slash how they're here or click the link. It will also be in the show notes and look at all the equipment that I use. If you click on, on that equipment, it'll take you to Amazon. You can purchase that equipment. And by doing that, I get a little kickback from Amazon and Jeff Bezos. He sends me the money personally. Finally, we have Weeble. Do you want a free stock that's valued between $2.50 and $250? Well, you can have that just by opening an account with Weeble. You can do that by clicking the link again in the show notes. And by opening an account, you get a free stock between $2.50 and $250. But if you put $100 in, because of course you're going to put $100 in because you want to trade stocks. That's why you got the app. You can get another free stock between $8 and $1,000. $1, so between $8 and $1,000 just by putting in your first $100 in, which you're going to do anyway because you're going to want to trade stocks. I get a free stock then. You get a free stock. Everybody wins. Click the link in the show notes for that. That was my fastest ad read ever. I think it's only a minute and 43, 44, 45. Now back to Taryn Joel. Um, you gotta, you gotta sacrifice a lot of things to make all of it work. I think, um, so my day starts every single day at 6 a.m. Um, the first thing I'll do is I meditate every single day. I've been doing it since I was like in eighth grade, so like 13 years old. You're way ahead of the trend. So I was like, I mean, that's the trendy thing. To do yeah. now is meditate. So it's like, bitch, I've been doing that since yeah. like 13. Um, so that's that's always been a really big part of my life. So um, I'll usually I'll start off I'll start off my day with that, um, and then I'll head straight to the gym. Um, and I see, I've seen you at the gym in the morning. Well, I'm there. I yeah. mean, if I, I need a corroborating witness, I have one, yeah. which is great. Tyler's yeah. there in the morning. Tyler's <laughs> there at like 7 a.m. I know. I'm, I'm cutting that up. I'm I sending know. it to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am. I usually wake up around, I, I usually get into the gym a little before eight o'clock. So okay, yeah. I must catch the tail end of, of when you're there because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like to, I don't like to leave a tunnel of wiggle room in between the gym and class. Cause I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I could get up at. I did spend a lot of last semester getting up. Yeah. At, I think the earliest I would get up is like 630. And then yeah. for a while I got up and did homework because it was like the middle okay, of the winter. Okay, and I'm like, I don't want to walk to the gym right now. So oh, I'll you mean when, when we're in I-Corps? Yeah. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'll yeah. wake up and do homework and then I'll go to the mm -hmm. gym later in the afternoon because yeah. that, you know, I'll just move things around like yeah. that. And then I'm like, you know, let's just screw it. Let's just get the gym out of the way early. Yeah, Cause yeah, it's yeah. like, it's such a block of time in your day where it's yeah. like, you kind of have to get ready to go to the gym and you got to go and yeah, you got to yeah, shower. Yeah, I, know, I know what you're saying. And yeah, like yeah, eat. So like, Maybe you're only at the gym for an hour, but it's like mm -hmm. an hour 45 affair. Like, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. So I'm like, I'll just knock that out of the way in the morning. And so I was getting up at like 630. And this yeah. semester, I'm like, I don't have class until later. Yeah. I'm going to get up like literally at the last possible moment yeah, to get yeah. like a nice <laughs> 45 minute to an hour workout in. Yeah, and then yeah. rush to eat breakfast and get to class and everything like that. Yeah, but yeah, I leave yeah. no wiggle room. So yeah. anyway, I'm at the gym, everybody, yeah. at, <laughs> at some point in the morning. So yeah. so you're there. You, you wake up at 6 a.m. Yeah, 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 yeah. you, you get a lift in. Um, usually that'll take about an hour and a half to two hours. Um, and then after that, you're at the gym for two hours. Yeah. Usually around there. Jeez, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to two hours. <laughs> I'm yeah. not at the gym for two hours. I've been, uh, <laughs> that's another kind of habit I built up in high school too, was just going to the gym all the time. I started doing it like junior year of high school because like, like when I was, I was like a non, like we talked about this earlier. I'm, I was like no. not an athletic Did you play kid. sports? I played basketball for four years. Okay. Um, I had a pretty all right career, you mm -hmm. know, nothing too crazy. Yeah. I also played in North Dakota, so it wasn't like, I, I don't, I don't even <laughs> think they could have cut me if they tried. So, <laughs> like we need um, bodies, we need warm bodies. Yeah, we need bodies Working on the team. Legs. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So I was like, I was a pretty scrawny kid, so I was like, I really, so I had this friend. His name was, so I kind of fell in love with like bodybuilding when I was um in high school. Um, and one of my really good friends, his name is Ronald. Shout out to Ronald. He might be listening to this. Um, Hopefully. He was, he got like absolutely huge while we were in high school. He was a few years older than us. Um, and so he's Haitian. He was an international student. Um, and he just got absolutely massive while we were in high school. So he was probably like 21 years old um, <laughs> as a senior. So unfair. But, <laughs> but he was like, he looked so good. So like we would like go shopping and stuff. And like everything this guy wore, he looked super good. I was like. 
it must be because he's jacked. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, let me just, you know, try to do it as well. So um, eventually, you know, I started going to the gym like four, four or five days a week, eventually six days a week. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with it after that. And then eventually I started my first company called Protein Plus, um, which I started as a senior in high school um, with the help of Ronald and one of my other friends, Sam. Um, so that was my first kind of taste in entrepreneurship and everything. But, you know, going back to uh, how I balance everything. Um, so, yeah. So my day starts at 6 a.m. every day. I meditate um, for usually about like an hour and then I'll go into uh, my workout for another couple hours. So then after that, I'll eat and then I'll go to class depending on however my schedule is. Um, I usually try to leave my evenings free for any work I need to do for Tablo. So any meeting I have, I try to schedule it for after 3 p.m. Um, and any development work that we need to do, any marketing stuff they need me to take care of, any financial stuff they need, they need to take care of, I will spend, I have like a four to five hour block um, in the evening where I'm specifically working um, on the business. Um, and then usually before I go to bed, I'll try to finish up any schoolwork I have. Um, if there's a midterm, I might be up uh, a little bit later, but usually I try to get to bed, try to get to bed around 10 to 10:30. Yeah. Um, which has been, it's kind of it's kind of strange because I used to be a night owl, a really really well, bad night too. owl. Um, but I've kind of like trained my body to just go to bed, and I'm to the point where now where it's like the weekend hits and it's like 10:30 and I'm like, yo, I want to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, I'm tapping out for the night. I'm tapping out for the I night, know. man. I'm going home. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I found that having a very disciplined schedule is like essential for me to get everything done. You know, if I leave like a lot of wiggle room, um, the things I need to accomplish just won't get done. So I don't actually mind it. It kind of doesn't really feel like work. I really, really enjoy having, um, like a disciplined schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I, that's something that I really only picked up on it at school and it's yeah. coincided with me just starting to do a lot more things but yeah I, I agree with you from the sleep thing like i huge night owl or used to be at least and then i, I still am in a, in a little in a mm. few ways but like i'll get in bed and it'll be like 10 10 30 or 11 i go to bed a little later than you and yeah. i'll be like just like struggling to keep my eyes open and i'm yeah, like yeah, yeah. Man, i used to be able to roll yeah. for a while and then it's weird not anymore i'm like i just want to go to bed there's like there's like this thing i learned in psychology where it's like if you're like actually like fully rested your body will just wake itself up when it needs to wake up. Yeah. I'm still so that's at like, that point. I want to get to like that type of level, you know, where sure. it's like I wake up at six, like I wake up at six. I'm just like, I'm just wake up at six. Like I don't need the alarm or anything. Like my yeah. body will wake itself up. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to get to that type of level, but mm, yeah. you know, that's probably a little ways away. It's like next level. Yeah. <laughs> that's some next, Morning next level are, stuff yeah. to be Morning able to are do so that tough for me. But to your point about <laughs> kind of regimenting your schedule, like it's yeah. really the only way you can fit all that, stuff yeah. in like and um, yeah. um, unless you do it and like i said that's what i found that unless you really put some blocks of time it doesn't even have to be so much like okay i'm gonna do x y and z it's just yeah. blocks of time to allow you to kind of wiggle in and yeah. and i like having that sort of sense of like knowing what i have to accomplish because i get super stressed out when it's yeah. like a bunch of gray area i don't know if you're the same way yeah. but like knowing what i have to accomplish i'm a huge checklist guy so like in yeah. class you'll see me just like i have this i have a notebook like a small yeah, notebook yeah, where yeah. i literally just make checklists to for yeah, things yeah. to do Absolutely, and that's yeah. that's how i that's how i stay focused so yeah yeah to me it's like my favorite uh my favorite like slogan is mamba mentality mm. from kobe so it's like every single time i'm just like mamba mentality baby mm -hmm. i'm gonna get it done it's like 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 i wake up every single morning and i do my meditation and i work out but it's like in my head even if i'm feeling tired i don't like negotiate i'm like i'm getting up I don't care. Like I'm, I'm getting up. Like the deal's been done. I'm not trying to like be like, oh, I'll work out later in the day. I can finish this a little bit later. It's more so like I'm gonna get it done like right now, and I'm not here to um, convince myself that I can do it any other time. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, 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 that's what you have to do, and I think yeah. that's from an outsider's perspective. I think that's what successful people do. Like yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they have room for. Mm -hmm for like for yeah. thought or for like second guessing yeah. it's like i'm just gonna do this because i'm going to do this like, yeah absolutely yeah, you need yeah no yeah. other reason besides yeah. that i i, I want to know and i i think we can have maybe more of like a, a candid like a level conversation i i've been fortunate to talk to some really cool people and, and people in some really aspirational places for me and in a lot yeah. of ways you're that way but uh -huh. at the end of the day we're the same age we we're, yeah. we sit in class together <laughs> so it's a little different right yeah it's yeah, a little yeah. different um not that you don't provide value because i think it's been a great conversation that we've had so far but i want to know about being in college being in the position you're in have you know having a company uh founding it being, being the ceo 
going after an entrepreneurship degree, what have what has the skepticism been like, if there has been any in your life? Mm-hmm. Like, where does it come from? What does it sound like? How do you combat it? Because I think that's something that somebody that's in that's in URI position, we get a lot of it. And yeah. then I think I at least find myself more susceptible to it than I think people that are older than us yeah. are. So what yeah. is that like for you? So you mean like skepticism in the sense of like what you're doing? Like yeah. So I think like when I think about skepticism in, in your life, maybe somebody is skeptical of your app ever panning out. Yeah, maybe somebody absolutely. is skeptical oh, on the, the other side yep. of like you're going to school and wasting your time. Like all yeah. that sort of stuff. Like I'm sure it comes from a bunch of different directions. Yeah. So like just what does it sound like? I've had skeptics on both sides, I would say. Of course. You know, people who are like, one, why are you in school? And two, you're – your app's never going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, something that I kind of, you know, um, that I kind of like learned throughout my teenage years was to kind of block out all the noise. So if I'm doing anything that I really need to like double down and focus on, I don't really care what anybody's saying. Um, and it doesn't really matter who they are. It's more so like, I think following your intuition is the absolute best thing you could possibly do for yourself because your intuition nine times out of ten is usually right um and as long as you kind of listen to that inner voice and that um that inner desire that you have i think that you will like the the sky's the limit for you uh one thing that i this might sound kind of weird but steve jobs did this commencement speech at stanford in 2005 um and i listened to it like at least two to three times a week um, because it might sound kind of weird, it does but, sound kind of weird, but, uh, actually I listen to it usually like when I'm at the gym, I'm just like, cause I actually, I actually don't really listen to too much music anymore. I'm a big podcast guy now. So, there you go. um, but yeah, so like, uh, he kind of talks about, um, you know, one of the big themes is connecting the dots going backwards. So we talked about, you know, dropping out of school and eventually he, he just, he attended classes that he just had an intuition or he had just had this desire to like learn from so he took like calligraphy classes um and at the time he didn't know he was gonna like he's not he was never gonna use calligraphy but you know when they developed the first mac um you know they had like sans serif font and everything in there so they kind of like revolutionized typography and like computers and things like that so um i think you need to kind of have um so you need to have like your faith in something whether it's like you know god or yourself or the universe or whatever it is I think you need to have this internal like faith in something that everything's going to work out for the better. Um, and just always just kind of trust in it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's good. And especially when someone like you or I, like I said, I think I'm somebody that sometimes falls like susceptible to some of mm-hmm. the criticism or like naysayers or doubt or whatever it yeah. is. And like, you're right. Having that sort of, I even maybe call it like a North star. Like, yeah, just, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And that's something I've been thinking a lot about, like just my own career, like a, a direction for my career or just my life in general, like what I want it to be. Like yeah. having that North star set and having that yeah. goal set and yeah. then knowing that the things that happen in the lead up to that are yeah, just going to be yeah. noise and ancillary yeah. because you, you know where you want to be. Yeah. And I think if you don't know where you want to be, a lot of that stuff becomes more yeah. difficult. I think when you want to be like, an entrepreneur especially it's just like it's not a super it's becoming a more popular career path but oh, it's like sure. you know in like you know a place like you know the university of minnesota most people you know go to corporate companies and right you know try to build their you know careers off of whatever job they get but entrepreneurship is kind of like you're on your own man like mm-hmm. if it doesn't work what are you gonna do you gotta yeah. you're gonna have to figure something out so i think that's why a lot of people are really skeptical they're like you know sometimes they're skeptical in the sense like they're not wishing anything bad on you they just hope that like if something doesn't work out you have something else to like fall back on so like yeah. you have that degree you have that job just projecting some of the things that you know it's, it's like it's not it's, it's not like they want you to like fail sure it's more so that they fear you they fear you failing at what you're doing or they they mm-hmm. internally they don't believe that you can do sure what you aspire yeah, they're to just do. projecting probably exactly, some of the fears yeah. that they have and i i do think there probably is another side to it of like entrepreneurship and and the importance of having that north star of like if you're yeah. just because i i think there is there has been sort of a paradigm shift where it's becoming a little bit more trendy yeah, to be yeah, an yeah. entrepreneur so well, it's become super trendy to be right an so like to your now. point about i think you're right there's a lot of, there's like sort of this corporate uh so i sort of called like this roadmap that you have to follow like just kind of roll out of bed and and go through your time here and like you'll be set up pretty well which is absolutely yeah it's a pro and a con um but then on the other side of it there's entrepreneurs that are maybe in it just for the sake of 
be having the title of an entrepreneur or just in it for yeah. being able to make a ton of money, hopefully one day. And like yeah. that, those aren't good North yeah. stars and they'll be yeah. shaken in those yeah. earlier times a lot yeah. more than somebody like you who yeah. sounds like they have something out there. That's a little yeah. bit more solid. Yeah. I think that, um, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you can't rely on the destination. You kind of have to enjoy the entire process of it. Um, like, um, there's this one quote I heard. It was, um, um, uh, happiness isn't the destination. The happiness isn't the way the way is happiness. So, you know, essentially everybody's kind of like on their own search for like whatever's going to make them happy. And for some people, you know, it's a corporate job for some people. It's, you know, being a business owner. Um, and I think that in terms of entrepreneurship, a lot of times people are like, I want to be an entrepreneur because I'm going to make a ton of money. I'm going to be super rich and I'm going to be in my freaking Lamborghini. Even though I'm super sad right now in my life, eventually when I get this shit, I'm going to be super happy. But, um, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, smile in my Toyota than cry in my Ferrari. So that's kind of the, put that a poster. That's kind of the, that's, 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 that's the mentality you. you have to have. Like yeah. a lot of times, you know, you're, you're a poor entrepreneur. Like you don't have a huge salary for a long time. Um, and you kind of have to love what you do to get through it like you need to you need to genuinely have a passion for what you do because otherwise i don't think it's it's your your product your vision none of it's ever going to work if you don't if you're not willing to you know fight for it yeah i love that i already have this this thought in my head for when i when i post something i'm going to photoshop your face in a ferrari <laughs> like sad or like make it sad that's going to be a piece of content i'm going to put out i know it's going to be so good um no i i i think that's i think that's i think that might be a gary v quote i'm not 100 percent sure i'll i'll do the michael scott or like the office thing where it goes <laughs> oh like yeah, yeah, Taren, yeah exactly gary v and it, <laughs> so it'll be great it'll be good um i so i i think a like an extension of this conversation is this idea of directionality and yeah. it's i mentioned it it was something that it's something that i've been struggling a lot with like Literally, I was having a phone call on the way over here with, um, with like a, a career coach, life coach, and he, I, got, I was just expressing this to him of like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing all these things right now, and I'm doing them because in the moment they seem interesting to me. In the moment, I can sort of see like the 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 part of the path that they're on. Yeah. But then when I when I take a step back and look at all these things that I'm doing in aggregate, I feel scattered. I feel sort of directionless. Like I feel like yeah. I'm just doing a bunch of things and I don't really know what's all leading me like mm-hmm. in a professional sense and, and maybe like in a more like yeah. altruistic life sense. But yeah, at least in a professional sense, it feels scattered a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Do you, how did, this is going to be a really intense question, but like how did you, find this direction have you found this direction yeah when did you find this direction because uh-huh. it seems so like from a from like an outside perspective it's like uh-huh. okay taryn has uh has tableau and he's like that's like his thing and yeah we've talked about it like superficially before where yeah. it's like that's what you hope to be doing when you get out of school so yeah. like that's like your direction from like a really practical career standpoint yeah. but is there something more to that that you're still trying to figure out mm-hmm. i think um it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of interesting. I think that uh you know, you never fully have every single thing figured out. Um you kind of learn along the way. Um but I know for sure that this is what I love to do and if I could spend uh all of my time just doing it, I would live a very very happy life. So, I know we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the career fair. Um, and then you, you know, I pulled up to class with a suit. You're like, dude, you're going corporate on me or what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Aaron, we, so for, the, for reference at the <laughs> university of Minnesota, we have a career fair and I, we have a really fantastic just career program. And I've yeah. talked about it a lot before I've, I've shat on it a little bit from the standpoint <laughs> of like, you can kind of roll out of bed and like yeah. kind of check a bunch of boxes and still get a nice cushy oh, corporate yeah. offer at the end. And I think a yeah. lot of people do that. I actually talked with a career coach here at the university of Minnesota on the podcast. Yeah. And he, he completely agreed with me cause I brought that yeah. up to him and he, he gave me the sort of the metaphor of you like X, Y, Z, you got a job. Yeah. Like a moving yeah. walkway basically. Like if you, if you don't really look at what's going on and you stand in this place for a certain amount of time, yeah. you'll eventually look up and be like, I've moved in this direction and I don't even know like how I got here basically. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> so we have a great program, but there, there are those negatives to it, of course. Yeah. And we have a career fair where a bunch of great companies, Minneapolis, to your point about being a great place for, for startups and, and yeah. has been great to Tableau. It has a great, just like corporation environment. Like there are a lot yeah. of really 
prestigious and, and really great companies to work for that are yeah. located out of Minneapolis. And so they all, a lot of them come to the career fair. Yeah. And the career fair is kind of the, like, is career week, quote unquote, career week at oh, Minnesota yeah, yeah, last yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, like a zoo of like, Stress Everybody and anxiety. Yeah. Everybody's bubbly. Like we have to yeah. get a jo- like this is where I get a job. Like yeah. this is crazy. Were you stressed that week? I wasn't. Sh- I, wasn't Dude, stressed. I, wasn't I was chilling. I just well, pulled up. Like, I didn't go to the career fair. And like talking I mean, talking to you, you're just kind of rolling into the career fair. Yeah, I but was I mean, like, I think that uh, in terms of you know having like a corporate job, I think there's a lot you can learn about entrepreneurship by being in a corporate setting because mm-hmm. you kind of understand how to build a great business because the because. Re- at one point, all these big corporations were started by these, you know, small entrepreneurial teams. They weren't like these behemoths that were like, you know, hiring thousands of people every single year, hiring like, you know, a bunch of interns every single year and eventually, right. you know, funneling them into, you know, full time jobs. Um, but I think there's a lot you can learn um, by having, you know, internships and, you know, getting a job, you know, for a few years out of college. You know, you don't necessarily need to be an entrepreneur right away. Yeah. Um, I think that the... the the whole idea of entrepreneurship is just that it's a learning game. You just see how fast you can learn. And you get, it's, I view it kind of like a basketball game. Um, you know, you got the key players, um, not even just in your industry, but like people who are doing startups, you know, there's key players and then there's the best players. Like there's people who really understand the game. Um, and they spend every waking moment of their life trying to improve their skills and hone their skills. You know, there's the best salesmen, there's the best developers, there's the best, you know, pe- there's the best people who can, who can pitch better than everybody else. Um, so I kind of try to learn from as many people as possible. So that's why, you know, I ended up going to the career fair. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll meet somebody that can kind of, you know, help me out or, um, you know, somebody who gives me a new perspective on things. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really, yeah, I kind of like rolled into the career fair, you know, I had my resume all done. I was, yeah, I was well, kind of like, I just kind of pulled up. Just to pull we, were, up. we were talking about it. <laughs> and to your bit. point about it being valuable to work in a corporate environment as an entrepreneur, I think yeah. as an entrepreneur, you're valuable to corporate environments for all the reasons yeah. that we've talked about, like yeah. all the experience and sort of the mindset and perspective you have. Like, I think that's yeah. really transferable yeah. in a corporation. So we talked about what you were talking about earlier, like they're not looking for entrepreneurial management majors yeah. and their sort of list of like yeah, yeah, apply yeah. here if, but yeah. to that, from that standpoint, I think if you're, if you're sort of eloquently able to, to state like how that major yeah. translates into, or like attest yeah. to higher skills, exactly, I, th- I think yeah. you're set up well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing is, it's not like, it's not like a skill like finance or accounting. Like, you right. know, it's not like a skill you just pick up. Um, whereas like marketing and entrepreneurship, like we're, we're both, we're both doing those majors, but they're both like kind of like these broad, so you're trying to grasp it in the air, like, like the best marketers are like, like if you, like if you describe like the best marketer, it's like very vague concept. It's like, it's just like creativity, but it's like, how do you like hone creativity? I don't know. Like it's kind of like this weird thing, but like, you know, if you're a finance accounting major, like, you know how to do X, Y, Z and they're like, all right, you know how to do X, Y, Z will hire you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I, I think there is, there, there's definitely a place for, for creativity in the corporate world. I think though, a hundred percent. I yeah. think, uh, yeah. I mean, I think the same people that are like college haters, like, yeah. you know, co- like sc- screaming at clouds, yeah. like college is the worst thing in the world have a very similar perspective on, yeah. On Dude, a, a company will not, I think entrepreneurship is like one of the most important parts of a company because if you're not constantly innovating, you're gonna like you're gonna fail eventually. Right. You know, you need you need those people that are in the corporation that know how to innovate, that like look at trends, that you know have that creative side to them that you know like a normal, um, you know like a normal employee that came out of you know like a normal business school might not have. You know, you need those people. Because without them, you're going to eventually fail. But at the same time, you know, you need those, you know, those accountants and, you know, people who work in like finance to also, you know, drive the business forward. But I feel like I feel like marketing entrepreneurship, I feel like we're not given enough credit um, in in like the corporate environment. Um, but I really do. Th- I think that we we do play a big role um, in the growth of a business. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it also just depends on what kind of entrepreneurial and, and, ma- and marketing type person you yeah. get because I think you'll get the people that are sort of airy like I always when I always tell people my my major I, I I do describe I say entrepreneurial management and marketing and I say 
you know, the marketing side hope, hopefully brings some like tactical and like hard yeah. skills to the entrepreneurial management side. Yeah. That's airy. M- yeah. Marketing in itself is They're pretty, both pretty airy, airy you know? <laughs> right? But like, I'm like, at least there's like some tactical background. I think that might be like part of the reason why I decided to do a computer science minor. I'm like, that was actually a tactical skill. <laughs> like, give me a hard skill. Give me like, like a, a hard, hard skill. skill. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, you know, I, I I think it's all great. So, well, yeah. Taryn, we we've been recording for an hour now, and I I never uh, like to take up too much too much time. So, um, let the uh, let the people know where they can where they can reach out to you, where they can find you. You know, obviously, my demographic is all restaurant owners. So oh yeah, it's really just a gold mine. Dude, that's of, why I came on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the pitch. So let people know where they can find you, where they can reach out to you, um, and we'll, we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, uh, so you guys can find Tavolo on Instagram at its Tavolo. Um, Tavolo's available on the App Store and on Google Play. Just uh, search up T A V O L O. Um, it should be it should be the first um, uh, the first one that pops up. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Taranvir Johal. Um, it's just my name. Um, and yeah, awesome. Well, Taryn, thank you so much. I'll uh, see you in class. Tom- yeah. like in tomorrow or whenever I you know whenever I see you but we have class tomorrow no we don't have class tomorrow so <laughs> <laughs> no we don't I was I was kidding so uh <laughs> thank you so much and uh good best of luck with to you and the team on uh, on top thanks appreciate it bro yeah and that is it for this episode if you enjoyed there's more to come an episode of how they're here releases every other Wednesday this season I'll be talking to an even wider spread of creatives founders friends and contemporaries and I might even go solo every now and again so stay tuned to how they're here wherever you listen to podcasts because you're sure to find something you'll like in the meantime check us out on LinkedIn Instagram and Facebook by searching how they're here or find me online at Tyler M Webb to connect if you want to hear more from us make sure to rate and subscribe it helps us stay in business thank you as always for listening and I'll talk to you all soon peace <laughs>